Good morning, it's Captain Roger from the Grass Valley Corps of the Salvation Army. Let's just leap right into it this morning. Grace and peace to each and every one of you this week. Welcome to the second Sunday of the Advent season. Now, Advent is that time of year that the church sets aside to pay particular attention to the birth of Jesus, who we believe to be God stepped into human form, born into and living out life as a human being with all the challenges, frailties, and joys that the rest of us experience. Now, here at the Salvation Army's Grass Valley Corps, we have been spending Advent examining the problem of Christmas, that problem being how we have romanticized and sterilized the whole Christmas story over the years. What we think we know often turns out on examination to be no more than Christmas fables or song lyrics that were included more for their meter and rhyme than for their historical accuracy. All of which is fine in an artistic sense, otherwise we might be singing The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes With a loud bout of wailing, a full diaper he makes You can see how that just doesn't work. Now, to really see and understand the amazing earthly incarnation of our God as our Savior, Jesus Christ We need to know the true details as best we can make them out Now, for us to truly know means we can't just see Christmas lights on a roof and a tree through the front window. We need to be inside that house, celebrating with the family. And as part of joining in with that family celebration of the birth of Jesus, we first learned about two amazing pregnancies, which were only possible through God's miraculous intervention. And then last week, we heard about the awkward trip that Joseph and Mary needed to take later towards the end of her pregnancy, and how it resulted in the all-powerful God, the creator of the universe being born as a vulnerable and helpless infant in a small home in a village outside of Jerusalem. There, having been given space in the common room, the new mother did what generations of poor mothers before her had done. She cleaned out one of the mangers used to feed animals in the house, and she placed her newborn son there. And that's where we're going to pick up our story today. It's uh, the Gospel of Luke. It's in the New Testament. For those of you who are unfamiliar, you find the New Testament, go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and there you are. Um, for most of us, though, we use this God-given gift at the front of every Bible. It's called the Table of Contents. Find Luke, jump to that page. Right. Chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. All right, so for thousands of years, people watched over sheep in the fertile valleys around Bethlehem. They still do. And over the centuries since the temple had been built in Jerusalem, about six miles to the north, these grazing lands had been dedicated to supporting flocks that produced lambs that were required for worship there. And they needed a lot of lambs. Not just any lamb would do either. Only the firstborn male lamb from each ewe was considered, and no lamb was allowed to be used for temple purposes unless it was perfect. That meant no blemishes at all. That was part of the shepherd's job. They had to check the newly born sheep for any flaws, and then, if they were perfect, they could keep that lamb safe until it went to the temple for sacrifice. That's why the herdsmen would stay out in the fields with their flock overnight. During lambing season, they needed to be on hand to help with the birth process and to make sure that they could act quickly if anything went wrong. Now, lambing season was and is in the springtime. 
And it seems most likely that the census Joseph and Mary were reporting for would have been concluded in the months before the late spring planting season. So I am totally comfortable with the idea that Jesus was born in the spring. In fact, I have a day on my calendar circled April 17th, which is, uh, I have marked on my calendar as Jesus' birthday, based on several assumptions that can be made about the probable birth year being 5 or 6 BC, according to our calendar dating. Now, some people say that our current December celebration is based on the church replacing some pagan winter solstice ceremonies with more wholesome religious celebrations. That's not really right, though. It, it comes from a different tradition, one that's related to creation. There's an ancient tradition that Jesus died on March 25th. And because of that, someone in about the 3rd century declared that the angel who visited Mary must have visited her on March 25th as well. After all, it would be an important day, right? Where do you end up when you count forward nine months from March 25th? Right, December 25th. It's exactly nine months after the Annunciation. Right? Here's the thing. They didn't really know when Jesus was born. Why not? Well, because birthdays weren't really celebrated in most ancient traditions. They cared about death dates, but not much about when someone was born. Right, where, where were we? Uh, shepherds, shepherds. Um, shepherds were also there to guard against predators. Bears and lions were indigenous to the hilly terrain, although they were rare by the time of Jesus. Men had hunted their numbers down, and the growing population in Jerusalem and increased travel on the roads had driven most of the surviving wild animal population farther out. Two-legged predators, though, they abounded, and shepherds were expected to keep thieves from taking any of the sheep. Now, you would think that being a shepherd, someone who had so much responsibility for such a valuable and important resource would have been considered an important job. And the scriptures do refer to God being described like a shepherd. The promised Messiah is described that way too. And Moses, he spent 40 years as a shepherd. And David, the most famous and most popular king of Israel, he also started out as a shepherd. But despite all that, quite the opposite was true. Shepherds were just about the bottom rung of the social ladder. In fact, people were taught that there were certain professions that were to be despised, and shepherds were one of them. A few of the other jobs on that list included a camel driver, a gambler, a usurer, which is the formal name for a loan shark, and my favorite, the dung gatherer. Uh, tax collectors and bloodletters were totally hated as well. Tax collectors were even considered to be traitors, but if you had a choice between inviting a tax collector or a shepherd to your house, you would choose the tax guy every time. Now, one of the things Jesus would do when he was teaching is he would call the religious leaders the shepherds of the people. This really upset the Pharisees because shepherds were unclean. They were sinners. They were thought to be thieves who grazed their livestock on other people's land and who kept the best animals for themselves. And they smelled like sheep all the time. You can't shower that off. It gets into your hair, it gets into your skin, in your very essence. 
And because they spent their time with sheep and they had to spend their time with sheep, shepherds couldn't go to regular church services or engage in the long purification rituals that other people did. That meant when other folks spent time with them, these people could very easily end up being ritually unclean as well. So people just avoided shepherds. And to bring us back to our story, here we've got a whole bunch of shepherds watching over the flocks of Bethlehem on the night that the baby was born. Luke chapter 2, look at verses 9 and 10 now. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Angels are, uh, apparently, pretty scary things to see. Almost every time one shows up, it needs to start by telling people not to be afraid. And I hate to be the one to puncture your idea of an angel as a happy blonde woman with a harp and swan's wings, no matter what you see on top of your Christmas tree, but the angels that we hear details about actually just look like men. Ordinary men. No wings, no harps, no halos. There are other heavenly messengers who do have wings, but the Bible doesn't call them angels, and they usually look like anything I'm sorry, they usually look like nothing that we have ever seen in in nature. Six wings, eyes all over, heads like animals, multiple faces. They're disturbing to think about. It's no wonder what they would frighten people. Angels may also have some unusual characteristics, like the ability to strike people blind or to cause a food offering to turn to ash in an instant. Here, though, we have an angel from the Lord appearing in the middle of this group of shepherds and sheep, well, all of them just light up with God's glory. you got to think about that for a minute, because to people whose idea of a street light was a handheld smoky oil lamp, I imagine that the dark evening hours suddenly lighting up bright as day would be rather unsettling, even without the shocking appearance of an angel in their midst. But this angel reassures them. He tells them he's got news, good news, which will bring great joy to everyone. Now, Luke, he wrote uh, in in Greek, and in uh, Greek, that word, everyone, that's paslaos, paslaos, every peoples. The the angel has their attention. Every peoples are going to get great joy from this news. And then he goes on to tell them what this good news is in verse 11. The Savior Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Today, as in today, this very day, right now, the deliverer that you've been praying for has arrived. Not just a deliverer, the deliverer, the Messiah Supreme, the anointed one who God had promised would come to become king of kings and lord of lords and set his people free. He's he's here now, right now, yes. That is good news. It's great news. He's not just born anywhere. He was born right here in Bethlehem, David's city. Yes. And this news just lights excitement in their spirits every bit as much as the glory of the Lord has lit the world around them. Except, except, they're, they're shepherds. Usually when people in small towns heard of a birth, they would go to visit. 
But shepherds didn't really do that. They weren't welcome. If this child was the Messiah, someone important, the parents are going to reject them if they tried to visit. They just knew it. Savior wasn't going to be for people like them. Hmm. But... Then the angel told them something. Something that gave them a little hope that maybe, maybe, this time would be different. Twelve. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Oh. Baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. It's like the one who sent the angel knew that these guys would be a little freaked and made sure that they knew the message and the Messiah were going to be for them too. They would find this baby wrapped up in the same way any peasant and every shepherd wrapped up their own babies. Lying in a manger too. That meant that this long-awaited God-anointed child was in an ordinary village home just like their own. He wasn't in some royal palace or in a wealthy family's guest room. He was in a normal working person's two-room home. The baby was from a family just like theirs. This really was a sign that would speak right to them. A sign that said a shepherd could be welcome with this Savior. And so the first people to hear about the birth of Jesus outside of his immediate family were a group of shepherds who were at the bottom of the ladder of their society. It's like God is using this occasion to purposely reach out and encourage the most minimalized, oppressed, and poorly treated people in his human family. It's amazing. And if you think that's amazing, look what happens next, verses 13 and 14. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Mm, that last word isn't quite... Right, the Greek doesn't translate to English well. Some translations read, Peace to those whom God has favored. That's closer to uh, the original meaning. The word suggests uh, uh, a particular delight or goodwill being taken. Peace on earth and goodwill to men, says one popular older translation. By men, that would have meant all humankind back when it was translated that way. Nowadays, that seems a little um, um, gender-specific, so we would say peace on earth and goodwill to humankind or to all people, right? I'm getting all Bible geeky in translation, sorry. I'm going to bring it back here, all right? What does this thing that the angel says mean? What does it mean? Well, who are we told this birth was good news for? All people. Everyone, everywhere, God has favored all of us with his peace. The question becomes what we do with that peace. Something I'm doing with my peace is dispelling the myths of Christmas. And we just saw one more of them fall by the wayside here. And you may have missed this. There's one angel who does all the heralding and the rest of them appear long enough to speak some praises to God. But hark. Those herald angels don't sing a note. Hmm. 
I wonder what the sheep made of all the lights and the noise. Well, whatever. It probably didn't go on nearly long enough for the shepherds. I, I know I would not want that kind of thing to come to an end. But eventually, the angels seemed to have finished their announcement and returned to their realms of glory. Verses 15 and 16. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Now, we we always kind of skip over this, but this must have been a challenge. I mean, Bethlehem was not a huge place, but still, think about what these guys needed to do to find the baby. I'm guessing after a big announcement like this, everyone went. I mean, that, there, that could have been as many as 50 or even more shepherds. Maybe as few as a couple of dozen, but probably more. The angels disappear, the shepherds look at each other, then there's always that one guy on the end, you know, the one who always talks first. We're going to call him Benny. Benny stands up and he says, I'm going, who's with me? And then they're all up and they're running towards town. No one is walking after an experience like they just had. They are running, they are full out. And what do they do when they get to town? There's no phones, there's no internet, there's no central hospital they can visit to find Jesus. So they must have started doing two things. First, they must have started shouting in the streets, Hey, did someone have a baby? And then knocking on doors. Bam, 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 bam. Hey, hey, hey. Can you imagine being a townsperson in Bethlehem? And here some unclean shepherd is knocking on your door in the middle of the night and asking if you just had a baby. Hey, did you just have one? And is there a baby in there? You'd want to tell them off. But then you'd look over their shoulder and see the other 50 or so guys who are waiting expectantly right behind them, and you're probably going to actually end up just joining that crowd, right? What's going on? And so this mob is surging through town, going from door to door, growing in size, until, at last, they find someone who says, Uh, yeah, a woman did just have a baby here. Why do you ask? And they're like, well, is he in a manger right now? Which is a pretty strange question for 50 shepherds and a few dozen neighbors to be asking a townsperson in the middle of the night, or any time, really. And finding that the baby was in a manger and that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, just like the angel had said, they asked, hey, can we come in? <laughs> Look at verse 17. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. So again, just try to picture what's happening here. We get a crowd of shepherds gathered around this little tiny house, all trying to get a turn to go in and see the baby. And the neighborhood's all awake at this point because these houses are really close together. And this is a lot of noise in the middle of the night. And then Benny starts in with this story about angels and the baby being the long-awaited Messiah. And the homeowners were probably tempted to say, well, what are you guys drinking out at that sheep camp? Except... Everything about this baby's birth has been weird. This is really just one more thing, right? The shepherds keep telling their story. Verse 18 tells us, All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. Yeah, I, I bet they were. Because if what these guys are saying is true, then God spoke to shepherds. That's crazy. And maybe... Maybe what Mary said about that baby being a miracle? That might be true. And if those things were true, then this little baby, not even a day old, 
really might grow up to be that savior they're all waiting for. Maybe. Hard to believe, and yet... Now, all this kerfuffle might have thrown everyone else for a loop, but one person already had had the better part of a year to come to terms with it. Verse 19 says, Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. We all like to believe that Mary was always right there with Jesus, supporting him, training his younger siblings to do the same, but the truth in the New Testament Gospels is Mary didn't fully understand her son's ministry until much later, after his resurrection. She had all these things swirling around her during his birth, and I'm sure that she built up some considerable expectations about who and what her son would be. How much of this night would replay in her mind on that fateful night 30-some years later when her son was arrested? How much of this would be what sustained her through watching his execution? How much that day as she saw him led to that tree, saw those nails driven into his wrists? That's a story for another time. Right now, though, the baby is here. Right now, we want to focus on the joy, on the coming of Jesus, wrapped in strips of cloth, laid in a manger, and every shepherd from the temple fields has come and examined him and found him to be absolutely perfect. And verse 20 tells us, The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So what is the true Christmas story so far? What do we have? We have a baby born to an unwed mother to be raised in a house with parents who cared more for God's instructions than man's opinions. The birth of that baby is heralded by an angel while praises to God are shared by the armies of heaven. They announced this Not to kings, or to rulers, or priests, or to newspapers, but to shepherds, the lowest among them. And then those who examined and approved sacrificial lambs found, examined and approved of that newborn babe. God arranged everything so that his son would be a message to those who feel left out or ostracized. A message that says, I love you. You matter. You have every bit as much value as your rich neighbors. You're all my children. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to everyone who listens to it. That good news, a Savior is born. Who are the shepherds among us? Who among us does the world see as untouchable? We're them. We're no better, no worse. Addicts, homeless, prostitutes, the unwelcome, the broken, the lost, that's all of us, all of us in one way or another. We are the shepherds. Do you want to hear the message that God has given this messenger to pass on to you? I bring you good news that can bring great joy to all people. All people, homed or unhomed. Clean and sober or in the depths of your addiction, straight or gay, living in your sin or righteous and holy, male and female, tall or short, happy or miserable Jew or Gentile, I bring you good news that can bring great joy to all people. The Savior 
The Messiah, the Lord, was born that day in Bethlehem, the city of David, and he came to deliver us all. Those ancient shepherds had to go to Bethlehem to find their deliverer. We can meet him right where we're at. Kneel before God is a sign that you want to know his love and his healing. And if you can't kneel in person, you know what? You can kneel in spirit. Give your allegiance to the creator who loves you so much that he was willing to be born in such humble circumstances so that you would know he wants nothing more than you. Don't wait for the last minute before Christmas. Give God that present of you now. Are you with me? Lord, hear our prayers. Hear our pleas. Hear the gift that we make of ourselves to you. Help us to make that gift with every bit of the awe and reverence and humility and peace that came with the birth of of Jesus. And if there's a little chaos as we try to find our way in, Lord, we know that you understand that because you certainly allowed for that in your own birth on this planet. Thank you, Lord, for the message of your story and the truth of your being. Merry Christmas. Happy Advent. Bless us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, whoever you are, wherever you have got you in this world, remember you have nothing to fear because God is there. You can't go anywhere that God hasn't already been first, right? Just go with God. Grace and peace to each and every one of you in the coming week. See you next time.